So if Pat's ready, then I'm going to be ready. All right, well, I get to... Wow. Wow. Everybody's awake, Glenn. <laughs> We're going to do a class on church critical care for the rest of this quarter, and we'll see if it, if it goes for the quarter or if it goes uh, a little longer. It'll be solely dependent on how much talking you guys do. Um, so that I can preface what it, where, where my, my uh, uh, information came from, I have used, many of you have read it or I've given it to you or I want you to read it, but it's a book, small book, honestly about that big, by Tom S. Rayner is the name. If you've heard of it, we're using a lot of things from the book called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. How many have heard of it? All right, so all three of us, four of us. Fantastic book. In it, he has insights into the topic of, of deceased churches. And then we're going to be looking at that for symptoms that helps us find symptoms of a healthy, sick, and dying churches, and how to stay healthy, get healthy, and finally accept if or when hospice is necessary and needs to be called in. It happens. Churches don't always survive. We know this. So the first book is The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. The consensus of this book is the consolidation of the Rayner Group. He has a team, and they, are, they use a church, and denominational, they're a church and denominational consulting firm. And they did their consulting from 1990 to 2005 for this book. The firm provided church health insights to over 500 churches and other organizations over that amount of time. This book specifically covers 14 churches and the symptoms that led to them closing their doors permanently. So it's my desire that our church here, we take a critical look at ourselves to see if we have any similar symptoms, potentially, of these churches that closed. And then if we find that we do have some or even remote similarities, how and why we should head those off to make sure that we don't falter. It's pretty simple in that one. And then even if we are not, we don't have any severe symptoms in any, any form or fashion, what it does allow is for us to make sure that we keep good habits to keep, you know, brush your teeth for a reason so you don't have cavities and you don't lose your teeth. All right, so it's forming good habits for us to be always on the lookout and stay healthy. So that's what the plan is there. So we're going to open with a prayer in this prayer. I want you guys, if you would, join me in your hearts. This is what the, this came from the book, and I loved what it said. It says, God, open my eyes that I may see my congregation as you see it. Let me see where change needs to take place, even if it is painful to me. And use me, I pray, to be an instrument of that change, whatever the cost. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you, to learn more about you. We thank you so much for this church you've given us here locally and the church that your son created. We are so happy to be called your children and we are wanting to take a look at our church that we have here that you've blessed us with and to make sure that we stay vibrant, useful, and to be a beacon for you and for us to be able to go out into our local area here and find lost souls. We need to make sure that we keep ourselves healthy, make sure that we keep ourselves working, 
and that everything working well. Help us to always analyze that and to be looking to make positive changes for your church here locally and help us to strengthen this community and ourselves in all that we do. Help us to learn that in this class. In Jesus' name, amen. That was Pat. Okay. So a question to you. How do we know, how would you know you go to work or someone here passing by in the hallway somewhere. How would you know if someone is sick that you come across? Sneezing. Runny nose, cough. They look like a train wreck. How do you know if somebody has cancer, terminal cancer? We may not. Sure, but you may not. That's the whole point. Somebody can have cancer. People find it all the time. I'm stage four. I've, they told me I have a month to live. They le- they're the epitome of health, as far as we know. You don't know. So, the fact of that is, is it's easy to see some symptoms, and it's not easy to see others. That's the point of this class. So, how would you, how would anyone here, how would you define a healthy church? What's a healthy church? Okay. Population, our, our attendance increases. Lots of children. Yeah, I like that one. Anything else? Excited, happy people. They are excited. They're doing things. There's ministries. There's activities. There, that people know them. Right? It's not, the church knows itself. We all know where, who we are. But does the community know who we are? That's always a good thing. So what is the, what give me a symptom of a sick church. I know you're about to say the, the opposite of all that. What? Nobody shows up. Nobody or very few show up. Do Wandering late. <laughs> hey, Mike, how's it going? <laughs> Schoonmaker's getting you a watch for Christmas. <laughs> that was a good, that's perfect timing. Yes, sir? Stagnant. Not doing much. All right, now, a dying church. No growth. Same people, and those same people tend to be less those same people because nobody lives forever. It's, there's no improvements. There's no energy. There's not much keeping the lights on. That's not, and that's literally, it's just what, what purpose is there? And there's, there's no, nothing happening. Okay. Sure. I mean, we have said the future of, the future of any church you, you, put, you put on an island 100 people that are 60 plus, how much growth is going to be there? Nothing against 60 plus people. Don't get me wrong, 60 year old. The fact is, who are your, who's your future? People with kids, ki- uh, families with kids, and young couples. That's how this can work. All right, so how many have visited, how many have visited churches in Anchorage and outside down in America? It's elsewhere that you've seen those three 
One of those three, or more than one of those. You all seen how, many seen, how many seen a dying church? Sick? And how many seen healthy, vibrant churches? Yeah, but there's a bunch of hands that aren't up. That's what's scary, is there should be there. Healthy, vibrant churches do exist, and if we don't see them, then there's not that many. That's always scary. It shouldn't be hard to find a healthy, vibrant church, but we don't always have that luxury. Okay. So now we're going to take this home a little bit. There's nothing about our church here that insulates us from decline. How are we special? We can, we're not. We've been at 2,700 to bar. Why am I doing that? What is my, I didn't hit that that time. Was it you or me? We have been at 2,700 to bar for nearly 50 years. Can you believe that? But we're still subject to all the same issues that any other church has, whether it's a church in the brotherhood or not. So the goal of this class isn't for me to tell you. I'm not here to tell you we're thriving, sick, or dying. I'm not doing that. We're going to take an, we're going to take an analysis of churches and then do a correlation of how we see those uh, uh, our involvement in those or if we have any of those symptoms. Okay, is that fair? So, we would like to take an analysis like this and make sure we don't have any of those symptoms or if we do, we quash them quick, get to a doctor, which we're the doctor, and figure it out, and turn things around to get healthy, to stop being sick. And then, in the process of doing that, we hopefully will secure a long and thriving future. All right. So a church doesn't get sick overnight. They don't go from booming healthy to sick the next week. That next Sunday, it's like, oh, this church is sick. What are some, what are some potential causes to a, ch- a church turning sick? Division. Ooh, we know that here, actually. We've had division here in the past. What else? Are you reading my notes? Leadership, is that what you said? Yeah, that's that's fair. I know Liz. Liz made it sound better. <laughs> what else? Apathy. I hate this microphone. Apathy. What's the definition of apathy? I uh, before, before I I watched a. It was a, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I watched a, I watched a commercial and it said. Sort of kids' hunger or something, and said apathy is the worst thing ever. And I'm like, I don't know what they're eating. I didn't know what an apathy was, so I had to look up what apathy was. Went, oh, no! Tell me, Stephen. I don't know. I don't care. That is a textbook example of it. <laughs> apathy, lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Or to sum that up, it's meh. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't it? Doesn't hurt me. It's not. A, it's a non-issue to me. It's not my problem. Yeah. It, which you're in church. It's your church. It's where you attend. It's where we are going to worship God, and you don't have a care one way or the other. That's absolutely possibly 100 percent wrong. Yes, sir. lukewarm, yeah. So I, I'll go, I guess. I mean, I'll sing, but I'm not going to lead singing. I'm not going to sing loud. I guess I'll do a prayer. 
Do we have to go on Wednesday? I'm tired. That happens. Then there's also one other one that I had here was slow erosion. So an apathy can actually be slow erosion, be a, a symptom of apathy. If you don't care, then you don't put any effort into it. So your facilities. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah, it it doesn't take but much. Even if even if you if if somebody has an opinion, thought, or otherwise that you know the the what, what the church is thinking, leading this direction, and they just skew it. Just well, really, you know, it doesn't say you have to attend Sunday night, and it just it it starts. That's where the slippery slope can happen, and it doesn't take much. And then you get a few people who think like-minded like that. The church has clicks. And a few of them get together, and before you know it, 20 are peeling off and said, we're just going to do our own thing where we don't do Sunday nights. doesn't take much. We have your facilities. So have we done any upgrades to this place here? Yeah. You're sitting in them. I mean, the pews were here for 40-something years. I can't believe they survived that long for all the abuse that we did to them. But why did we change the chairs? Anyone know? Well, these are, these are a lot lighter than pews, let me tell you. Okay? The, these are mobile. <laughs> Outside, we have LED lighting. We have the new flooring. We have the classrooms. We have a projector up here for this, or the, the, the streaming projector up there. All kinds of new things that are happening. That's awesome. Can we do more? Oh, yeah. There, there's, there are some, still some... some uh, uh, um, I think it's, it's, there it is, the orange carpet that we used to have in here. Awesome orange carpet, if you haven't seen it, is in the floor of the booth room over here. And we have a few countertops of the orange. That stuff's awesome. Really impressive, really impressive. Very 70s, 80s. All right, so what's the big deal? What's the big deal about that one? If we, the hosts, have people come into our facility and we're not, we're not doing anything to... Upgrade it? What does that tell them? We don't care. We have apathy. And they're like, well, if they don't even care about the place they've been going to, what are they going to care about me? So, slow erosion um, ministries that used to have. Well, we have all kinds of different things we had here. We had a, we had a, a bus ministry here at one point. Ladies' Bible class was here on Tuesdays, every Tuesday. Do, does everyone? I'm sorry. We still have a bus ministry. This is a bus ministry, like several buses, full size. That's what I meant. Don't take that the wrong way. I still love it. We had, if you didn't know it, we had a uh, David. Is it is uh, it K through twelve or K through six? Green Tree. K through six. We had a, we had a school that we had here, Green Tree Academy, at one point. And then one of the other things is your outward focus of the church members here to the community diminishes. We meet here and we interact with we, not they. All right. So we're going to do a quick little, this is your, this is your life, a little quick flashback on the Anchorage Church of Christ. I'm going to read it fast because I don't have a lot of time and a lot to cover here. So. We're going to look at the Anchorage Church of Christ. How fast are you ready to go? 
We'll pop up on the examination table and give ourselves a well check, like we did with our kids and should do as adults, to make sure there's no issues we don't know about. Anchorage Church of Christ was first established in 1944, when five servicemen from Elmdorf, along with their families, began to meet in the blue room of the USO building in Anchorage. These five, along with some others that joined, were able to buy a small house to meet in that same year where they worshipped until 1948, a couple years before I was born. Due to growth, they bought a larger building where they stayed until 1953. Their full-time preacher was Jack Church. (laughs) Not really, that happened. Jack Church. And the first elders were W.C. Gray and someone you may know, Sam Harden. Due to the church's growth, approximately 200 members, it necessitated a new building to be built on the corner of 10th Avenue and B Street, which many affectionately refer to as 10th and B. Another congregation met in Mountain View at this time, and that congregation and 10th and B met to pool their resources and merge together January 25th, 1970. They bought a piece of property to build a new building located here at 2700 Bar and began meeting there December 18th, 1977. That's a long time ago. At the time of their first meeting in the new building, there were two ministers, seven elders, 500 identified members, and close to 600 attending. So, here we are. How many, how many remember the pulpit was sitting on this side of the stage? Lord's table was over here, and the, pew, the, the, the pulpit we had here, that front part wasn't even there. Didn't exist. 500 in attendance. Anybody know how many, uh, uh, I meant to count them, on the trays for the communion? You know how many, how many cups go in there? There's a lot. So we had, still had six men serving from the Lord's Supper. We had to switch from two trays to three. Twelve trays originally to 18 because there were so many people and that was with two services this is what I was saying Tracy we had a fleet of full size buses and they picked up kids in the community a fleet of them what Joy Joy yeah yeah, she's right my brain wasn't kicking in Um, Midnight Sun Bible Bible Camp this is a this is a You'll all remember this one. Consisted of eight A-frame cabins, no electricity. We had the Genesis Shack, which you may or may not remember. That was a big uh, A-frame next to the lake where the dock is, main dock is. We had a winter cabin and the Arts and Crafts Building. Everyone bathed in the lake, and outhouses were what everyone enjoyed. There were three weeks of camp. And everyone was full to capacity with 80 kids, and they had to turn people away. As I said, we had Tuesday here at the building with ladies' Bible class. Potlucks were every Sunday, and we had to split them up. We had four zones, and we had zones one and three, and the next week was two and four, because there were too many of us to be able to sit there and be able to get through the line and have enough to sit down. It's a good problem to have. As we said, there were seven elders and there were ten plus deacons. Man, 500 people in this room. Can you imagine what that was like? Some of you can because we were here. I can't, I can't remember 500 people in this auditorium for a long time. So in the book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, the author starts off with a church that formed in 1975 with 750 members. 
when the church finally called, asking for them to review their church to see what they can do to help it, they were down to 85. He said that they were terminal. They weren't sick, they were dying. And he was going to give them five years. Well, they were angry that he said that. And they said, we will show you. He shook their hands, he left. Ten years later, they called him and said, we finally just shut our doors. The person who had asked him to come and review the church was also the one who called, saying that they'd finally closed their doors. And he asked that gentleman, would you meet with me to do an autopsy? Why would you want to do an autopsy? Why would we want to do an autopsy on a person? They're already dead, so who cares what's wrong? Well, I want to know what happened to them. What Help the living. Exactly. That's actually what it's for. An autopsy is to find out the cause of death, how far along it was, to what degree, were the treatments helping or not helping, and how to, did they do anything that was helpful so the person next who is sick, they might be able to do something with. Logical. So an autopsy in a church would be just as practical, would it not? Painful. In the book, if you read it, the gentleman is upset that he's going through it because it was the church he loved. He had so many good memories and so much love and warmth and affection just for all that it was. And the love that he had, it it couldn't survive off of his love alone. The churches that this firm reviewed were very diverse in denominational or non-denominational backgrounds, in locations, as well as local and regional demographics. Their similarities were that they followed paths that caused them to die. That's why they're listed in the book. It didn't matter whether they were Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, Church of Christ, Lutheran, Muslim, North, South, East, Western states or regions, white, black, Hispanic, region, Russian, Cajun, cowboy, or Florida. It didn't matter. They all went down a similar path to their destruction. The discoveries we're about to learn may give us, the Anchorage Church of Christ, necessary information needed to avoid the same path that passed on possibly other churches around the globe. We've been to other churches around the nation or world with symptoms like we are about to talk about that led to the demise of the church but could have been avoided before it was too late. So, here's a quick question for you. Can the church die? It was a trick question. It was a loaded question. See what people think. The church, Dixie, cannot die. I hate this, Mike. I hate it. It can't die. On this rock I will build my church. It can't. Matthew sixteen eighteen says Jesus says it cannot die. But the little C church can. We have. How long have we been here? Nineteen seventy seven. So seventy eight. I can't spell it very well. How long is that? Forty five years. Forty. Almost 50 years. All right, so we've done pretty well. Half a century, we almost survived, right? Do we have any guarantees of another half century? No, we can die, just like anybody else. They could turn this into a school. This would be the gymnasium one day, potentially. 
I'd like to avoid that. But then again, we had a discussion from those meetings we had before. What was one of them? Let's get rid of this building and go use one, get buy one that's more practical, build one that's more practical for us, potentially. Turns out we like this building. Let's make this one work for us. But the church, local, little c, can die. So here's the question I have. If we, the church, locally, were to be given a physical exam today, what do you feel the church would say our health was? Are we in pristine health? Are we in good enough health for our age? Are we slightly sick? Sick? Or are they calling hospice on us? What would you, what would you think? So, nobody answered and that's a good thing. Because I want you to, I want you to think of that everybody has a, has a on a scale of 1 to 10 how, how, are you, how is this church doing if you had to grade it I want you to grade it in your head with that number when we look at some of these in here then you have to ask yourself should that number have been higher or lower or was I right on the money okay what I'm wanting you to do I want you to come to a determination of health now and then see if your number's the same after we have our discussion. So why do you think we were talking about the slow erosion? Why do you think a large percent of church members of a sick or dying church refuse to see the decline? Refuse to see the decline in the church that they, they're now sick and then not realize it. Why, do, why don't they see that they're sick? We're not sick. I feel fine. <laughs> well, it could be some people don't feel sick. Some people might be getting a lot out of their church experience, so they don't realize it. They don't see it from that perspective because they never knew the glory days. True. Right? True. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the church they know is doing just fine. Yeah. Because it's the only one they've known. Absolutely. If, if 30 miles an hour is all you've ever known, that's pretty fast. You have no idea what 80 or 100 feels like. I mean, we, we were, this place was ridiculously roaring. I mean, I, I loved it. I love it now, don't get me wrong. Yes, sir. And I know you're not talking about this, but I think I can say this. Just because the ministry doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean it's bad. There's some ministries that need to go away at Absolutely. Numbers are not the only sign of hell. What COVID did in many churches is reveal those who were not members anyway, even though they tended to. Hundred percent. So, I know you know that. I don't want people to think that. Oh well, we have this bus ministry here. We must be sitting out here. I mean, maybe we are. Maybe we aren't. Oh sure. Well, everyone loves change. Comfortable. I don't want to have to change. Oh, change is one of the hardest things people have to do. They can't stand it. Yes, sir. So one of the worst things that happened in healthcare was patient satisfaction surveys. Because what it means is, as a doctor, I can't tell you what you need to hear to be you Because if I say, you're fat and lazy, and you're going to die soon, I'm going to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're like me, somebody 
really just hard to deliver the message because you don't want to upset somebody, you don't want to hear, you don't, but that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be delivered. It's exactly right. We sometimes don't want to deliver the message of, we're doing great here, but you're back away. You know, I, I, I mean, I help you. I don't want to church. I'm overweight, sure. and if my doctor doesn't tell me I'm overweight because they don't want to upset me, same thing's true. As a Christian, sometimes somebody doesn't want to upset me, or as a church, sometimes they're not going to upset me. We say, this needs to change. Well, people are going to get mad. And I won't do anything to help myself. Right. Yeah. Okay. People hate change. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Live streams a new avenue. Yes, ma'am. Why should you? No, it won't be implemented. She said, if for those who didn't hear it, a strategic plan, you have to have that in place. And if you're not willing or wanting to do it and then act on it, then what's the point? And people hate change in the process. Yes, sir? Uh, swinging with pendulum on the fall. That's true, yeah. It, it, change needs to occur, but if, does it have to be radical and tomorrow? You know, should we just should we uh, put neon lights outside the building? Like, whoa, that's a lot. And then we're gonna. I mean, I'm not implying this. All of a sudden, we just said, you know what? We're gonna now put musical instruments in here. Whoa! All four walls fall down, and the place catches on fire. It's ridiculous. But somebody would say that's a thing. That why not? Because they're doing it. Churches of Christ are doing that. When you have true love 
in the congregation, then things grow and things happen. And so when we look at the scenario that you're painting, I just don't want us to think that um, I want people to get a negative, you know. You can always improve, you always learn. When you stop learning, stop improving, you did anyway. Um, yes, so, ma'am. Yes, so ma please keep those kind of things in mind also. So I guess what I'm saying in summation is that um, I, I started off on 10th and B as well. And I've seen a number of changes. I've seen a number of elders that are no longer here, not because some of them died and some of them moved away and then they died. So there's been a lot of changes that have happened that were beyond our control. Sure. Absolutely. Which is, the, which is what you don't want to be. Correct. Uh, and so I just want to just keep those things in perspective. And then when we look at the church, we treat it as a business. We treat it as a family. And depending on how we view those two things, depending on what the approach is that we work with. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Very well put. And I agree with you. Having the numbers doesn't mean you have the church. Because... You have super churches, mega churches. Are they called what? Mega churches? Mega churches. All right. Ten ten thousand people in there. Yes. Well, there's a reason ten thousand people usually go there, and if you had to push those ten thousand people to go march do whatever, you would lose a large number of them because they they go to church because it's easy to go to that church. But if they have to actually do and have the the, the common love song, then it, that that makes a different factor into it. You have to have your heart into it. Other people go just to go. And COVID proved that a lot. Yes, sir. When we used to consult the churches, we would start out by saying, I promise you, I, I'm telling y'all I could have a thousand people here in two weeks. That's not an exaggeration. Give out 50 bucks every week at the door. We have a thousand people. We won't be able to hold them up. That doesn't mean we've grown the church. Hey, you haven't grown anything. From a consulting standpoint, that's not the growth you want. Correct. Yeah. Now, but the other side to it is, at some point, if you don't come in contact with that person, you'll never break them. So how do you balance being scriptural and spiritual? But if if we say I'm never going to paint the building that's falling down and nobody wants to come here that's falling down, then we've done a disservice. We've let people go to hell because we didn't take care of the stewardship of what God entrusted. So there, there's a line between I can get a thousand people here saying that doesn't mean I'm going to church. But if I don't do something that appeals to the world, at least to make sure I'm saying within scripture, if I don't appeal to the world within scripture, <coughs> I will never save a soul. You know, much of what we're talking about right now, if you had 750 members, and we're down to less than 200. But how many have we converted? Sure. See, this acreage is twice the size it was then, and this church is 20%. So we didn't just lose 8%, we lost 90% because we should be twice as big. There are 350,000 people here. We have less than 500 members of the church between the valley and here and down there. Think of that. Yeah. You know, we have less than, what is that, 0.15%? So, so it's not just a matter of keeping the members here, but there's 329,500 souls that could end up in hell when I help the church. So we do at some point have to appeal, not by getting 50 bucks at the door, but we do at some point have to appeal and, and have something that the world says, what does Russ have that I want to be a part of? That's where I want to be. Yes. Yes. What, what, what is here that, that makes them want to come in our doors? 
and for them to be their doors. And we can, we'll, I know we can go back to the 80s and say, what happened in the 80s? What was the big thing that was going in the 80s? Pipeline. Okay. So we don't have the, we don't have the pipeline going anymore. That's, that's, that, that's done and gone. We still have two large military bases. We are still strategically the place to be when it comes to everything that's going on over in Asia and the, you know, that side of the world. We are... Our, our growth has happened regularly, and ours here has not. I think we can agree on that. We were that, that large. We had, I think it's funny, we had the max occupancy sign up on the, on the uh, auditorium. It's funny. We, we're not even going to threaten that. But we want to be safe. That's fine. This place has been so full. We had the, remember the three pew, uh, rows of pews? And we had to put chairs on the sides, and chairs were all on the back. We had people on the outside watching, listening in. It was really cool. Lots of good scene. Well, you know what? People like to come to a large... When, when, when people gather, more people want to come to that too. Why were they here? Was it because, oh, we just wanted to serve God. We wanted to worship Him. Well, that's great, but I wanted... You, can you not worship God where there's 20? But it sounds so much better when there's 150, 300, 500, 700, 1,000 people singing and congregating. I'm just saying, weigh that in your understanding of what and why people attended church. I haven't been to a mega church before, but I went to uh, West Houston in Houston, Texas. How many is it, how many is it in attendance there? 1,000. That was some really good singing. It sounded great. Plus, they have great acoustics and just everything was all nice and they had panels. And, but it was, it was really enjoyable. All right? That was just nice. It, it's great. However, that wasn't my church. It was a church I went to and I enjoyed it there. But I loved the church with what they were because I had more people come and flock to me and say, Hey, how are you? I understand you're the one that uh, Lindsay got hooked up with. Poor girl. <laughs> but pray for her. Pray for her. Yes, sir. So I apologize for talking so much, but when you do the research, when a church is 300 to 350, they should be 450 generally in less than a year. Because you're big enough now that people can slide in and be a part of something big. When they have 700 to 800, they have 1,000 generally within less than 24 months. Because because why? Because they can hop. Some people like to. Oh, yeah, okay. So you're right. Just because a church is 800 does not mean they need help. You're a church that's 50. Take that. Right. So, So we have to take that into account. But there's also more resources. There's also, you know, even from a percentage standpoint, half the people are talking about 400 people evangelizing. So, can we speak louder without the mic? I can't hear. Yeah, and, and piggyback on that, you guys know how often I go to Texas for the film. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how many churches that Jesus and I have been to. Now, when you talk about numbers, we used to go to this one church and I said to Shirley, why are we going to this church during service? She said because the, the normal service, they have bands. So what they were doing was, and the numbers were past a thousand, but they were catering to the new generation, which was where the money was. And this is the Church of Christ in Houston because this is what the young folks want. I like the air quotes. Yeah, right. so we, we, we need to be careful with these numbers. We can get numbers in there. I can guarantee you I can find a way to get some numbers in there. That's what you're going to want. I'd rather have two people that God 
Numbers do not make a church. Exactly. It's possible. Correct. So, for, for, did everybody hear that one? It said if you have 350, it should be 450 within a year. And then when they finally get to seven, seven to 800, 1,000 within 24 months, because those, the, the other two, 300 can come in and just hide. They're attending. And they get the credit, but they're not necessarily there. Yes, ma'am. Peter Priestman had a three thousand member church. And it was really and growing. It was really strong. <laughs> that was a little strong. Yes, ma'am. Um, it's all this is this is all just making me sad. And it's not because I don't want to change. And it's not because I don't see that we have work to do. But it all feels so clinical. And where is Jesus in all of this? Like hitting these Absolutely. Okay, I'm not done. I'm listening. We have had so many programs where we can get together and go out and reach the community and like five people come. Okay? So it's not like we're not trying. There's a group of people trying really hard. And I feel like that's being completely so I don't know I don't where do you where do we go from here then? This is this is the initial physical exam, and I, I, I'm nothing you're saying is wrong. I agree with you. The fact of the matter is, if it's one of those, if uh, uh, how, how is it? This congregation might be sick and dying. It doesn't mean the people in it are dead, and I feel like that's what is being implied, and yeah. I don't like that. Uh, that I can appreciate you. I hear what you're saying. That is not our intent or otherwise. It's an, an analysis of those churches we were talking about. And we're also saying that numbers do not make a church because those can be skewed several different ways. Yeah. We can be 5,000 strong and be absolutely sick. We can be 50 strong and be as thriving and healthy as all possible. Exactly. So, yes, ma'am. I think it starts in the home. I, I can't disagree with you. Patty says it starts in the home for our children to love the Lord. And, and we're not raising kids, especially men, but the women too, to be song leaders, elders, and deacons. It starts in the home with our children. That is the foundation. I can't disagree with that. Jesus, and it's going to take a while. It will, yeah. But that's, I believe that's where it starts. You have one? Okay. To Tracy's point, and for you specifically, I don't think this church is done, personally. Do we have things that we can fix? Of course. Oh, anyone who says there's nothing to fix anymore, they're the first problem. Okay. We have issues. We're a family. People get sick. Things happen. This is the group, what's a Wednesday night, post-COVID. I got to say, we have the, these numbers that we have here, these are our strong people. Okay, so you're the people I'm talking to. I probably don't need this lesson as much as you know, other people need to hear it. But we have work to do, and we have to look at ourselves and go, okay, what can we do, what will we do, and how will we do it? You have to, you, you, if you have no idea what the symptoms are of a sickness, then you can't sit there and combat it. 
you can't take the pill. You can't, you can't take the shot. You can't get better. And a dying church doesn't do that. Yes, ma'am. You know, we've been coming a little over a year, and uh, I've, seen, I've seen some things that needed to change, but I've also seen some great things. What I like is the fact that you're addressing it. You're addressing the fact that we need to have that constant look at ourselves. And so I just wanted to say that I appreciate it because we felt Michael and I, as soon as we got here, and we still feel welcome. Good. That is, that is the intent. We just want to make sure that we keep doing well if we're doing something well and that we change things that we're doing poorly so that they aren't a detriment to us. Yes, sir. You know, Russ, there's a couple of things that you have to do in business. You have to have a plan. And you have to have a vision. And the vision sometimes gets lost. And it gets lost because there's so many directions to go. And there's so many things With love. Yeah. 
<laughs> Correct. All right, well, we are definitely out of time. I appreciate everybody's thoughts. We are going to keep back on this one and keep, uh, keep uh, pushing forward. So thank you for all of your discussion, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah.